Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Read Optional Podcast. We are taping this on a Monday afternoon. I am taping this from a sweltering Great Britain. Joining me on the line is the great Doug Farrar, USA Today's NFL editor, the author of this book. For the video people, I'm going to show this book. I got this off my shelf just now. The genius of desperation. This, Doug, is available in the most prominent bookseller in uh, England. You can just walk in. You can grab this right off the shelf. So the people listening to this on the Gridiron Show feed... You can just go pick one of these up tomorrow. Go do it. Um, well, the funny thing is uh, that book was inspired by, and I'm sure you know this book, Inverting the Pyramid. Of course. The chronological schematic history of what we call soccer tactics. My apologies. Um, yeah, I know. You're all looking at me like, what a wanker. Um, <laughs> and I, I had thought, well, there has to be a book like this about American football. You know? And there had been other scheme books. And I thought, okay, there isn't one. So I guess I have to write it. But that 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 book, which is utterly brilliant, uh, in, inspired mine, and of course came from a, a highly regarded English author. So there you go. So I would like to point out for people that it is not traditional for Britain to currently be at the temperature it is right now. So if at any point I appear to fade into a puddle, if you see how red I look, if you hear a fan in the background that I was very much keen to turn off, tried that for five minutes as I was setting up the podcast, realized that was a massive error. My brain will turn to mush immediately. That is all going on right now. Doug, we're worried, might end up in the ocean at some point by the end of this, given what's going on on the west coast of the US where he is. But we are here to discuss the Chiefs. This is the series where we're looking at the most important people for the upcoming Speaking season. Things that are falling into the ocean. <laughs> and the, the most important player in the league, typically, is the, the best quarterback in the league. And we can go back and forth on who that is. And so we're going to discuss in detail the Chiefs offense, Patrick Mahomes, everything to do with the Chiefs of it all. Um, I, I was reading the Football Outsiders Almanac today. I had done a bunch of tapes. Stuff. I've done tons on the Chiefs recently. Um, particularly the O-line I've been writing about a bunch recently. I went through the Football Outsiders Almanac, which I would encourage everyone to fetch wherever they get their the books. Um, and they had this great thing right at the very top about how it, this is probably if you were just drawing up team building, the correct approach, obviously, to, to move on from Tyreek at the contract they were getting into to go and get future assets because you have the O-line built, you have the quarterback, the, the side issues you can probably piece out over the length of Mahomes' 10-year deal. But it's just a sad feeling that it's over. It's like they've gone from being the Warriors of the NFL, where they could score 28 points in a blink of an eye, no lead is insurmountable, to now they're probably going to have to play real football. And they they tried to last year, which we'll get into, and moving forward into this season. That's kind of my big picture takeaway is that feeling of them being unstoppable, um, whatever they call them, the Zoomers and all that. That, that I think, comes to an end this season. Well... Uh, I know you're joking, but the whole idea of what is real football in 2022 and mm-hmm. moving forward, um, you know this as well as I do. It is, I mean, you can talk about sustaining on first down and getting to second down, getting to third down. Um, it is that to a degree, and it had better be more about that for the Chiefs coming up, but it is more than anything about creating and defending explosive plays. So a part of what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill in that offense when it worked is modern football. That is 
you know, that's the, that's the, the ultimate version of the archetype. That is job one is can you put up 28 in the blink of an eye and no lead is sustainable. No opponent lead is, you know, you're, you're never sure what's going to happen. The problem with that approach is when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. It doesn't work. It works spectacularly and it doesn't work spectacularly. And I think, you know, I almost wonder if Andy Reid and Brett Veach, they kind of looked at each other and said, okay, we could give Tyreek Hill what he wants, but to what end? What are we doing? What, what is, what is, what are these sustainable parts of this offense? What works and what doesn't? Um, I wrote three pages of notes on the Chiefs offense. I, I told you pre-show. I'm no more sure about what they're going to do now than I was before. Um, I know that through Andy's history, going back to the Eagles, he's preferred to roll what I would call West Coast vertical. It's a disciplined, sustaining passing game that takes from the run to a degree. And he wants that one guy, whether it's Deshaun Jackson or Tyree Killer, or whoever, who can take the top off a of defense. Last year, the Chiefs seemed to be an offense that was too dependent on gadgets and potential splash plays. There were times when it all worked, but more often than not, it was feast or famine. So with those changes, the question is, how did the Chiefs get to what Reed's foundational concepts are? And he's been moving away, I want to say moving, away, moving to spread for a decade. He brought in Brad Childress as the spread game coordinator and everyone made fun of it. And then all of a sudden the NFL went spread and, they, and oh, yeah, he's a visionary. He brought in Chris Alt, who invented the pistol at Nevada with Colin Kaepernick and all that stuff. So he's been preparing for this. And he had Alex Smith who ran, you know, that stuff with Urban Meyer in Utah 2004. Um, and then he got Mahomes and that was like the perfect vessel for all this stuff. But you still have to... You know, you, we've seen this over and over and over. You you can marry spread concepts to more quote unquote traditional concepts, but you have to do that. You can't just come in and say, "I'm gonna you know four wide balls out here we go." That doesn't work. It, it works for a while, and it doesn't. The thing so is, to, to me, it's what it's not so much how the Chiefs are going to survive or excel or whatever go to the Super Bowl without Tyree Kill. It's what are the concepts? What are we trying to accomplish here? And that's where I'm not really sure. That that gets to the big picture point where when I was going through this, I almost throw out the Bengals game, which I know is probably a mistake. All statisticians will tell me don't throw out the, the last thing you saw just because you, you don't want to be bogged down by the last thing you saw. That that felt like a particular series of brain farts from the staff and the quarterback. And I know it was a culmination of them seeing more of the two deep, then they see a drop eight and oh shit, we haven't built concepts to deal with drop eight. And why are we not running the ball? I get all that. Uh, the big thing for me, taking the whole season in totality last year, that gets to your point about what concepts will they run, how will they evolve conceptually, and we can run th rattle through the, the run game, the RPO, the drop-back pass game, we can get through as much as we want. The lack of sequencing, I was talking about this to you just before we started, where nothing they did, it just felt like a hodgepodge of plays. They're like, we're so good. Our plays are so good. Our quarterback's so good. We're so smart. Let's just pick our favorite plays and we'll just run them. And we'll probably pop a few. And then as defense is backed up, I don't, don't think watching they properly accounted for what that burst the bubble of that style of grab bag of plays offense. And I think most people think of sequencing in the sense of the, the best example I think is the Shanahan Falcons offense, right? Wide zone, wide zone, wide zone, boot. And the boot is the payoff play and oh, look how well they sequenced that. The linebacker flow, 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 gets caught running down. The deep crosser goes flying behind him. Everyone puts their hands up for a touchdown. You're but using a play now to set a defense up three plays later. Yes, 
which is I think how people that's, most that's people Walsh think and every, you know yeah. Walsh, Gilman, whoever. But there's also the art of putting in specific stuff to figure out what the defense is going to do. Let's put our fullback on the field. Let's get into a condensed set and run away from the condensed set to see how they handle that so that when we get to go time, we know, oh, we can kind of get a sense of what they're doing. And I felt none of that seeping through from them last year. Every game has essentially, outside of the Raiders games where they couldn't believe their luck that they're seeing all that cover three from Gus Bradley still, it's the same stuff over and over again same yeah. stuff they'll throw in different stuff for different down distance but they are running the same stuff over and over again now, I, I don't think they necessarily obviously and it reads way better this than we are but and i don't think it needs to get torn down completely but i think they need an f- injection of new ideas and i i think they should approach this as how would we build this from the ground up if we just came in day one as a new staff as opposed to bringing all the baggage of the Tyree kill and just trying to say, put McColl in that role and we'll figure the rest out from around that. That's not that simple at all. One of the first examples I ever saw of that was when Sean Payton had Reggie Bush. He would motion him from the backfield to the slot and the third linebacker was like, uh-oh. And I maintain, I've, I've made this point before, Reggie Bush essentially invented the nickel-based defense because what, are you, what else are you going to do? You have to run 4-2-5. You can't put your linebacker on that guy or he's going to demolish you. He's going to just eat your head. Um yeah, I would say the sequencing and where that shows up is in Mahomes's because he was really efficient zero to nine air yards. He was really he was actually better in 20 or more air yard throws last year than he was the year before. And you, you, and and the numbers were about similar, which doesn't go with type. If you just t- kind of take the whole season in your head, you're thinking, well, they didn't throw deep as much. Actually, they kind of did. And he was better at it where it shows up is in two places a radically inefficient run game where they were trying to you know paste it together with uh you know hill and hardman running sweeps and all that um it was like the entire robert woods rams sweep game like take that and make it your foundational concept maybe not so much and then mahomes inefficiency in the intermediate passing game you know, the, the stuff that we talked about where he's missing Tyree kill wide open over and over because he doesn't want to make that throw. He wants to make the big throw. And I think in whether this is in the playbook or in Mahomes's head, because obviously he has options through the, you know, through the play. It's like, well, if I'm going to go, it's not like going touchdown to check down or vice versa. It's if I have a check down. Okay. If I have a touchdown. Okay. If I have the middle stuff, that's where it really isn't defined. And I think the definition of that, and that, you know, they bring in Juju, they bring in Valdez Scantling, they get Sky Moore um, in the draft, who kind of reminds me of a Julian Edelman type, very, you know, tough over the middle slant guy. Um, they have now the receivers to do that, to define the intermediate passing game, to make the offense not plotting, but sustaining. It's not like it's going to, because Hardman, yeah, he can roll deep. There were also a lot of communication issues with, I mean, it was like Hardman would run, you know, one of those sail routes and beat the corner and Mahomes was expecting him 10 yards downfield from where he was. It was kind of like that first half season with Brady and Tampa Bay where he was overthrowing Scotty, Scotty Miller by 30 yards. They still have a little, you know, so um, I think the sequencing shows up in the run game, which wasn't efficient at all, and the intermediate passing game, which wasn't efficient at all. And the point I made in my notes is you can win a Super Bowl without a run game, but I don't think you can win a Super Bowl without a run game and an intermediate passing game, because then all you are is boomer bust. That's all you have. 
and eventually the bus are going to kill you. And the two tied together is a sequencing where even if your run game stinks, we can get into some of the run game stuff again later on. I understand I'll get tons of messages off the dogs that, you know, play it. None of the data says that the um, running the ball well ties to play action concur with that but the intent of the run game matters your willingness to sell the run has a demonstrable effect on the defense you may stink at running the ball but if you sell that action and you have really clever play action plays off those same initial run actions that's the beauty of, of the play action so that run game the sequencing of that run game how that ties to your play action game where you want to just rip apart the intermediate portion of the field like you're saying that's where it gets fun that's where it's easy that's where Mahomes isn't thinking right he hits the back foot the ball is out everyone rolls on here goes McCall Hardman running after the catch which is where you really want him going I, I think they need to rework that whole portion of the offense and it's more so for him because that stuff where he misses in the middle of the field particularly the Washington game which stands out to me is that the key one where something weird was happening there, where Tyreek Hill is consistently open, splitting the two deep defenders, which was the big conversation about Patrick Mahomes, and he either wouldn't throw the ball, or when he did, he'd miss him, often behind him. And a lot of time, with a lot of time, almost similar to the Bengals game, where it's like, what is the guy waiting for? And that, I think, if you predefine it more, and it's like, hey, man, we're going to run the ball a little bit more because we're tying that into this play action, even if we're not as good at the run game, it's because we just want you to turn around and get the ball out really quick. And you know exactly where you're going with it. And if not, bleep it. It didn't work. Well, the thing, I mean, you said throughout the Bengals game, I will say for one, Mahomes does not get blitzed because he rips it apart. So that's point one. Point two is one way I think teams are trying to beat too deep, which is worse for every quarterback in the NFL, every single quarterback. So don't tell me that too deep doesn't matter. It does. Um, and there are different reasons for different quarterbacks. But one, you know, the Wandale Robinsons and the Calvin Austin's, these little tiny guys who can, you know, run these exact routes five to 10 yards and your safeties are up. And one of them's like, oh crap, I better get down here. You want to force the robber. You want to force the rat. You want to make that happen for a defense. When you drop eight and you're essentially flooding every zone. I think Mahomes is going to see more of that because you, you're not going to blitz him. So you don't have to bring five. You don't have to run bear because they're not going to run the ball. It, it almost the chiefs offense. And I give Lou Amaruno, I know you're, and you're Lou's biggest fan. I know that um, <laughs> give Lou full credit for saying, Hey, we're not going to blitz him. We're, we don't stop the run. We don't have to worry about it. Let's flood the freaking zones. Let's go. I so I would not throw out the Bengals game. I would opine that he will see more of it this year because I agree. Because what what else can we you can do? apply it? We will apply it against him because the Bengals did and it worked. And and there's there's nothing else to do, right? Like you said, you can't blitz the guy. They're in empty more than everyone else, other than the Rams. So you ain't blitzing from that look anyway. The ball's coming out if they're in empty. So the only thing to do is to drop as many bodies into as many windows as possible. Hope he hope he gets frazzled and throws the ball to the wrong place, which he does more often than not. And how predictable do you become if you're saying, well, they're dropping eight, we have to go to empty. And so, I mean, how long is your empty book? You know, it's at some point you're going to run out of concept and it's going to be fractured. You, you're not sequencing if you're running in empty. That's just not the way the thing flows necessarily. So, you know, there's right. only so much you can do from that. You constrict it in just the general ways you can layer the offense. If you're in empty, it's not the same as going RPO, RPO action, drop into play action from the same initial look, which, you know, breaks everyone's brain at the NFL level. 
there's, there's only so much you can do, so they will become more naturally restricted, which is where I do think, and people will get mad at us because they say it's the best quarterback in the NFL. Why are you talking about the run game? That's where I think the run game matters. Um, before we get to that quickly, can we just go a little bit deeper into the the two deep stuff you mentioned there? People listening will be very cognizant of the conversation last year of teams went to two deep. You know, was that the the Mahomes kryptonite? And as you said. Everyone struggles against two deep. There's more guys back there. It's harder. Yeah. There's less space. It isn't that. It's not much more complicated than that. And he saw more of it than everyone else. Well, it's the Staley Fangio stuff of the two deep and the moving bear fronts and the light box. The light box doesn't matter because you have that star, you know, sort of safety backer or slot backer who can come up. Your Jalen Ramsey's. I, I know there's only one of him, but that new prototype of defense which will be adopted around the league until someone figures out how to stop it um that we we have now moved from a single high league which we were uh because of everything that happened up here in seattle a decade ago we're back to too high as we were in the dungy lovey smith you know urlacher era um but with some very different iterations of that and this to me is, I mean, I wrote a whole book about it. It's just, you know, schematic trends evolving and changing. Um, you know, I think eventually it'll, it'll switch back, but you're going to have to figure out how to, how to run a functional passing game against two deep safeties. And the other thing that really didn't happen back in the Dungy, Urlacher, you know, Lovey Smith era is this, the extent to which state safeties are spinning. It's so much more now so much more now so you may think you have too high but it's really one or it's one now it's two or it's a big nickel oh crap what do we do now what you know we got the ravens we have marcus williams deep we have kyle hamilton playing all over the place we got chuck clark as the you know <clears throat> that sort of box backer um the it's not just the too high it's the extent to which it can be differentiated and complicated per defense against different offenses so it, it is a too high in the traditional sense of we can label it as two deep safeties, but it's not really anything like you can't go back to your 2005 Buccaneers defensive playbook and go, oh, it's this because it really isn't. It's a whole new thing. And that's where you see even in the numbers where Mahomes sees two man cover four, cover two, cover six, more than accumulatively more than any other QB in the league last year, which yeah. makes sense. That's how you defend him. It doesn't account for the two to one, which is, like you said, what's no. happening, particularly against you. If you want to sequence and you're like, hey, we're sequences, Ollie, you know, we're, we're running wide zone, wide zone boot. The whole point of the two to one is when you turn your back, that guy spins, you turn back around. Oh, shit, that guy wasn't there before. Why is he standing yeah. there now? Now I have to think, oh, my God, now I'm getting clipped from the backside because the, which the is how you take play action off the table. Yes. And you bounce, like we said, into empty, and all of a sudden we're more predictable. Everyone loves empty. And Get your QBs in empty, and all of a sudden you're, you're really, really predictable. The Chiefs ranked uh, sixth in play action. They were first in positive play rate. So what you want to do is when he turns around again, oh, wait a minute. You know, you want to you dump that number. Now, so what the Chiefs will do is motion you to death. They, were the, the, uh, they had the most pre-snap motion last year by far. And they were first in positive play rate with it. And they can mess you up with motion. <clears throat> and that will help in different ways to not, because there's, to me, there's motion in two different ways. There's motion to define and motion to disrupt. I move my receiver. This guy goes there. I kind of know what coverage it is. Or I want to move this guy and God, Shanahan is by far the best at this um, to 
put a put your force multiplier target in a in, a, in an open space with motion. Um, and the Chiefs did that more than anyone. But the your point about quarterback turns his back, turns his head around. Now it's a different defense. I, I'm sure you've heard this story. I think it was Devin McCourty was talking after the after Super Bowl 53 when the headset went off in Goff's head. And he and so we knew when that went off, 15 seconds left on the play clock. And that's when we flipped our coverages because we knew Jared Goff couldn't figure it out. We knew he would make his head explode. Um, I'm sure teams did it before then, but I've seen a lot more of it since then. Yeah, changing the picture is the buzzword, right? That's what they all want to do. Yeah. Define the picture pre-snap, probably change it out of the huddle, and then spin post-snap, change the picture again. Yep. And let's see who are the guys who can figure out three pictures on one snap. It's usually Brady Rogers, Allen, <laughs> and the rest of the guys are all hoping for the best. Justin Herbert's unbelievable too. But that, that you really are, are boiling it down to a finite number of six, seven guys, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson. You're getting down to the real premier players. The other thing about Herbert is he was better against two deep than anyone else in the NFL last year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. His room to grow is outrageous. Watch Paid. out, you guys. Here he comes. Cost five times less than Ryan Tannehill this year. Five times yep. less for five times the player. It is Put that thing together on your quarterback's rookie deal, baby. <laughs> So just Down quickly go. before we move on to some of the RPO and run game stuff, because it ties to this too, what you mentioned there was really interesting about the motions with the defining and disruption. The the genius of Tyreek Kill, other guys in the league are fast. I don't know why he looks quicker than everyone else when other people time quicker is. than him. Because it's bizarre. I, I That's why I don't trust the chips on next gen. They tell me all these other guys are quicker. I'm like, I'm watching the games and this no. guy's so much quicker than everyone else. And he they define with him, right? They reveal the coverage. Oh, it's man. Or maybe they're, they're, they're doing something disguised to freak us out. But it's also disruptive because that guy's terrifying and we need to find him. And now it's check alert, check alert, box, box, box. And everyone's head is spinning and they've got Tyreek Hill on the move, essentially running everywhere. And I, there's just not a field tilt like him in the league where if you watch, I use that um, Washington game again as an example, because that was a really fascinating stylistic matchup where Ron Rivera bought in wholesale to a Big 12 defense, right? Where he positioned what you call in the coaching game, his cover down, he put him in an apex. We are splicing out the cutting in RPO. They want to run zone to slant RPO. We're standing a guy in out of the box, Landon Collins it was, because we're taking that away and we're making them define that they're running a passing game. Okay. Yeah. That is where teams will continue to shift to if the Chiefs run this offense that they've been running in the last couple of years with Andy Reid and co. And as effective as that is from just a kind of X's and O standpoint, the fact it was Tyreek Hill in the slot made that second level back up anyway. They had to get depth in the second level out of fear of if we miss, this guy is gone. And as fast as all the other guys are, Mark Esvaldez Scantling, I think tested like the fastest guy in the league last year. Nicole Hartman is obviously blurry fast. I don't think they have that kind of, even if it's just a perception thing, where you add an extra component to your schematic makeup to say, well, we know this is how we want to define the defensive scheme, but back up two yards, everyone, because we're terrified that if this guy, if we bust the scheme, which is to cut off the RPO pop pass, then it's, it's, a, it's a wrap. It's a touchdown. Uh, that, I think, does Charles change everything. Davis in the first half of that game. Three touchdowns. So how do you how do you make up for losing such a terrifying prospect as that? I'm, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, and the thing about Hill, people have automatically assumed through time that faster receivers are not great route runners. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's Antonio Brown in his prime. He's not like a Hall of Fame route runner, but the ability to press leverage 
on vertical routes, the way he does it, the way he will move to a receiver or around a receiver, it's kind of like hitting it. It's like, like service, serving a tennis ball. You can hit the ball right at the, the, your opponent, and he has to like figure out, oh, crap, what do I do now? Or to this side or that side. When Hill leverages a cornerback or a safety, or God help you, a linebacker, you just go home. Um, but when he's pressing a defensive player vertically and how he breaks off, he's, he's an army of one in that regard. No one else can do that to that degree. And it's just something he understands. Jerry Rice ran a 4-6-40. He was a 4-1 player on the field because he understood leverage. He understood angles. He understood when to break off. And it's not so much about how fast you are in the field. It's how, much, it's how, you, how slow you make everyone else look. If you take that cornerback who runs a 4-3 and you make him look like a 4-6 guy, that makes you the 4-3 guy. That's what Tyreek has. No one else on that team has that. I mean, Nicole Hardman is a good, decent route runner, pretty good inline guy, can run an over, can run a drag, can you know do whatever. He's not in Hill's class. Very few have ever been. Um, that you know, that's just the way it is. And what it does, I think, is it makes it hard for a defense to layer the defense, which is another buzz term at the moment yes. that you're just trying to get as many levels. And that's why you do the two to one spin. It gives you an extra level in the defense, essentially. Suddenly there's four levels and it's like, where can we fit the ball into, into which window? What the Chiefs did off that is they just backed everything up, right? Mahomes underneath, underneath, underneath. I know you're saying he does take as many deep shots as possible, but in air yards, he wound up behind Roethlisberger and Goff by the back end of last year. It was underneath, yeah. underneath, underneath. And there's this big thought exercise from people who aren't as granularly into the, the film and numbers as we are that losing Tyreek Hill means those deep shots go. What you really lose is the threat of the that six-yard outlet being a home run ball. There's, there's no well, one else most- who can do that for them. Greg Cosell brought this up uh, to my awareness first. The most indefensible formation in the NFL, the way it was, was Travis Kelsey is the Y ISO and Tyreek Hill in the inside slot in a three by one. When they line up that way, go home. Yep. Take your guys off the field just to avoid injury and let them score a <laughs> touchdown. Because Kelsey's going to run the over, Hill's going to run the post, and okay. We'll, we'll just take our guys off the field, you know, play a little song on the PA, and, you know, we'll um can hardman run that post the same way you know velda scantling juju i mean juju has vertical potential we just hadn't seen it because the steelers have not had a vertical offense for the last two or three years um they have to the the challenge for them now is to how do you replace an irreplaceable player the only guy i thought could um and they would have had to trade up to get him it turns out was jamison williams a lot of very similar attributes. When I watch Jameis Williams, I'm thinking that guy's Tyreek 2.0. Now, of course, he's in an offense with Jared Goff, so I don't know what to tell you. That was my pre-draft footballing wet dream that I wrote about consistently. The, yeah. that, that's where we need the sports are to come in and say, okay, enough of this nonsense. Rebuilding Lions are all excited. It's good for the sport to get Jamison Williams to the Chiefs. We're vetoing anything that doesn't include getting Jameson Williams to the Chiefs. That, or, that, that or, or my God, the Rams. Um, <laughs> it's like you, you go to the Lions and come on. Couldn't you have done this two years ago? Um, you um, you so, mentioned yeah. Kelsey there quickly. His role, I mean, he's been 
early last season, something was off with him. He got beat to shit. Yeah. And they just stopped calling anything on Travis Kelsey. It's really bizarre. Then he does what Travis Kelsey does because he's probably the best tight end in the league. Well, uh, late in the season, and I don't know how much of this to attribute to um, to Edmonds, the Steelers' safety, but Kelsey couldn't shake him. And I'm like, okay, did the light go on? And it sort of did for, for Edmonds, but yeah. And one of the points I made in my notes – the question you have to ask yourself is, and it goes back to the Hill question, who is the force multiplier in this offense now? And you take Mahomes out of the equation because for better or worse, every quarterback is the force multiplier in his offense. It's probably Kelsey, but my question is now, are the Chiefs setting themselves up to be a better version of the Ravens where the receivers are all mystery meat and the tight end is the tentpole guy? And how far can you get in today's NFL like that? So Kelsey really has to, you know, show force or that thing really starts to scramble that that's where you mentioned the why iso there and going back even to breeze and graham and new orleans and going to almost that heavier dose of three by one why iso he's on the backside get them to deploy all their resources one way and then we're one-on-one on the other side of the field and you just hope and assume that either through play design you spring one of these guys open or sky more is unbelievable the Bengals did it with jamar chase yeah just Jamar was the XISO and you couldn't cover it. You just could not cover it. But somebody has to be that guy. Somebody has to be the the force multiplier. Somebody has to be the, the, oh, crap, we have to deal with him. And I don't know who that is, right? And is Kelsey still good enough to do that as the, the well, flex guy I week mean, in, week out? I think so. I think so. But I don't know that they have anyone else who can fill that role. I think they have a lot of good B guys, and there is a, a thought process where if we get enough good B guys on the field, it turns into an A. I think that's true at certain positions. I don't know if it's true at receiver. I think you have to – in today's NFL, I love – in today's NFL, I got to send all um, officious, but in today's NFL, I don't know if you can win with a bunch of B guys. Somebody, in the Ravens' offense, Mark Andrews is the A guy, and there's no question about it. And, you know – Kittle and Debo in San Francisco are both a guys you can have as many you know I'm Rashad Bateman's or Brandon Ayuk's as you want but if you have that a guy it's okay because that way if you're spinning coverage well you have to spin it to him you know as much as the defense wants to get funky the defense has to get funky to this guy I don't know if the Chiefs have a this guy anymore and as much as they want to ostensibly be more sustaining and more consistent and all that without Tyree kill. Yeah, fine. But with who and how, and that's the big question. And the more I watched what I was jokingly saying, I did, you know, two days of study on this and three pages of notes, and I'm not any more sure than I was before about this offense. That's the main reason why. And I feel down now because i came into this initially before i read the almanac before i spoke to you i was like i think they've i think they've cracked this you know that what they did was they built themselves an outrageous offensive line which we can get to so that they their gamble is o-line mahomes time and read and everything else will fall into place we can figure the rest out we got this guy who knows all the play designs can draw up anything anyone wants is combing through high school tape even in his 60s to try and find the best possible place brilliant guy there's no question about that we're not impugning his football intelligence 
the problem comes on third and eight when you're in empty yeah. and they're in quarters match and you go, okay, who are we throwing to? And it's going to have to be Kelsey. And I do think that after two years of attrition and watching how he was treated by defenses last year and officials who called jack shit against him for the first half of the year when people were just clobbering him. And he's just, that's the thing you mentioned. Well, my first, two- you're, you're have what Levante David did. You're just, I mean, that was Belichick bullseye game plan in that Rams Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 concussive blow after concussive blow. It was attrition. This, we're going to, you know, wear this guy down to a nub. And it's been ever since that. Let's touch on the O-line then. Um, yep. I have a lot of thoughts here. That interior. Let's start with Orlando Brown, just because he's in he's in the news. I guess. What were your thoughts on he's going to play under the franchise tag? That is an unbelievable deal for the Chiefs. The guy didn't take the six year one thirty nine million contract that was. Offered, I can't believe they offered him that much money. And to steal him away for sixteen when you gave him a decent offer too, so we can't really be upset at the offer. I can't believe that he should have been. He should have like run through the door of the chief's facility to sign that contract. Let me put does, it this way. Uh, does he still not have Stone, an agent? Does he have an agent yet? I don't know. Um, I can't I remember. Uh, Mark Schofield and I are doing our positional lists right now in, in lead up to our top 101 players. I did offensive tackles. Uh, top 12 offensive tackles. Orlando Brown was not in there. He was about, I got him an honorable mention. I'd say he's about 15. Now, this was his first year playing left tackle full-time. He subbed in for Ronnie Stanley his last year in Baltimore. But he gave up six sacks last year, and I looked at all of them. And all of them were allowed on the back half of the arc. He's perfectly fine if stuff is right in front of him, and you know, which makes him a good quick game RPO whatever guy. But if the edge rusher has time to go all the way around the arc, by about halfway, Orlando's looking for help. And this was every single one of his six sacks was almost, you could superimpose where he got beaten on all six of them. It, it, go watch it. It'll blow your mind. Um, you know, is he worth a top five offensive line contract? I don't think, no, he's not. I personally, I think he's been a right tackle and a left tackle, um, especially in an offense like this, where, you know, he he can you see six eight about three six he says three forty five uh um six eight three sixty you look at the history of guys that big turning into more agile kick slide pass protector I always think of Joe Thomas and I I compare it to the arc of an opening door and Joe was the perfect you know just every time bang um he doesn't really have that now you don't need it in certain offenses. But in this offense where the passing game in the, you know, post two seconds can kind of turn to a theater of randomness, you kind of do. Um, Particularly if it ties into the larger jigsaw of what we talked about before, if he gets beat clean, okay, that, that is the problem you're looking for usually, right? Oh God, this guy gets beat, beat clean out of his stance. That's concerning. If he gets beat running around the arc, like you're saying, well, we've just discussed a, a setup there going to have to run, which is a lot of three second stuff. Just but the function of the offense they have, the way defenses are playing them, there will have to be more time in the concepts naturally built in. And if that's his weakness, this is how it's so difficult to puzzle together an offense. Like, well, we really want to sit in there and run these slower developing concepts, but a ton of options in so we can read and break as the defense reveals itself because we're going to have time. And our guy struggles when there's time on the field. He wants the ball to be out immediately because he can kick and go as happy as anyone and move on to the next play. 
this thing is hard, man. It's, it's hard to build well, off it. So hypothetically, the idea is you run boot right and away from the tackle who has a problem with the longer whatevers. Um, I think in a more general, and I remember reading, I, I wrote about this um, when the Chiefs did it. They got poleaxed by the Buccaneers in that Super Bowl. They replaced all five of their offensive line positions in the offseason, which is really unusual. And all five of those guys were better gap blockers than zone blockers. And I know there are different kinds of gap. I don't want to oversimplify it, but in this case, it was really clear. Orlando Brown came from a Ravens team, an offense that is all about power counter trap Paul, you know, just waste you on the edge. That's what he's used to. Um, Joe Tooney comes from new England where in the second half of that last super bowl, they won. You're I'm sure you remember this. They threw out the passing game and they just ran it down your freaking throat guy on guy. Tooney is a top five pass protector. He is also, and he's not really like huge dominant muscular guy, but he know he's, technique sound he knows how to block gap creed humphrey at oklahoma oklahoma ran like half gap which is very unusual in college football and he was blowing up like nine yard holes for Ramondre stevenson who of course went to new england perfect situation for him um you know trey smith because all five of those guys were more well-versed in gap than your traditional modern offensive lineman so i figure they had all five of these guys. Andy is, you know, an offensive line guy going back to his days at BYU. I figured they knew what they were getting here. Um, last season per sports info solutions, the Chiefs block gap on 29% of their runs. They ranked second in positive play rate with it. They blocked zone on 71% of their runs. They ranked 10th. In 2020, it was 21% gap and 79% zone. And the PPR was 14th with gap and 18th with zone. So, you have to wonder if it's time to go down more of a half and half with the Ravens do with their multiple concepts or the Browns who just take Teller and Batonio and demolish people with the polls all day. Um, I think it well certainly with Tooney. I think Trey Smith is turning into that level of player. They have the guys who can do that. So the question is, when is it going to be more about counter bash than it is about, you know, this or that kind of zone, whatever. It's now, and it has to be now. And this yeah, is this is goes back to our initial point because you got these guys to do this thing, yes, or you got these guys who are good at this thing to do something else, and that for an absolute, total, one hundred percent global redefinition of your offensive line to have these five guys who are more these five players when it's a, it's more of an inside outside zone league than it is gap. To get five guys who are better at gap, more well-versed in gap than by far than your average offensive lineman, and then to do this much zone and to be more efficient in gap, what are we doing here? Again, not to impugn Andy Reid's genius or anyone else on the coaching staff, I, I, I look at the numbers, I try to match it up with tape, and it it's, it's, I don't know, maybe they thought it would be too much of a thing in the first year, and they're going to go more gap this year, I don't know. That was probably part of the plan. I think it also has to do with how RPO dense they are and they prefer to yeah. run it off zone, whereas the Oklahoma yes. runs it off gap. Um, and yep. maybe that they thought that would take time and that would be a, a year two situation. It's funny because it's like they have the answers to the test. You don't have to have ever watched a game. Well, they, to watch went out, that. they went out, Ollie, they went out and got the test. They built yeah. the test by getting these five guys who were better at gap. You, you, that, if you've it, never they're not taking fo- someone else's test. They defined this. 
if you've never watched football and you watch that Bengals, the second half of the Bengals game, you're saying, why are they running the ball? Right. If you've only ever watched one football game, you say, why are they not running the ball? This is the answer. They have to run people out of too deep. That's that's the only solution here. They have to slam it and be so proficient at running the football that defense is like, oh, shit, we're in a bind. We have no problem. Either we just keep allowing them to do that or we go down to a single ice set and Patrick is going to roast us. That is that is the answer. And they have the guys right here to do it by shifting slightly. And, you know, last year, PFF had this interesting study about the midpoint of the year about how much better the Chiefs were on predefined run plays than they were at running off the RPO. Now, football coaches okay. will know listening how flawed that is because you can't really change, you know, the definition of a, a post snap read RPO versus a box. I mean, predefined, count. yeah, that's. It's hard. I get it. It's hard. And, you know, check with me, kill what, you know, what was an RPO you don't know because it was a check with me run. I get that it's got all kinds of flaw in the logic, but I think even well, just- and that, that's the thing where it's like the perfect is the enemy of the good. If you're 70% or 80% there, it still tells you something. Yes. Yeah. I, I still think the answer for them is to not throw out all the RPO stuff. You, you dabble with it the same way you dab with basically everything in the NFL. You have the players, you have the minds, you can run anything in the NFL. But I do think they need to just get back to uh, an old school style, I guess, of just saying, we are going to run the ball. We're going to try and run them out of too deep. And I think a lot of it, Doug, sh they should be moving more to the pistol. I think the, having even more pistol in their arsenal, where it's easier to run gap from that, that you can run a wider variety of run plays from the pistol than what they had to do last year, where basically their count was same side run stuff, right? Same zone plays, but yeah. would run it same side. And the pistol also means Mahomes doesn't have to turn his back whenever they spin. And they can right. kind of answer a two for one question. And I know that not all coaches like it. And hard you're hiding to your running backs who are short guys anyway. Yes. Now it's harder to get the back out in the in the route, and it's harder to chip if you want to, you know, uh, chips a particular player. I get all that. There's reasons why you can go back and forth between the two, but I think an answer for them is absolutely trying to become more of a smash mouth spread pistol based offense. And you just hope. And the that thing is, they've done this. They did it in yeah, it was Clyde Edwards-Helaire's first regular season game against Texans. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Texans ran too high all game long. Edwards Alaire ran, what was it, 27 times for like 120 something yards and a touchdown? And they went away from it. I guess maybe they thought, well, it, it works against the Texans, but not against the <laughs> Oh, but um, they proved in Edwards Alaire's first game. And the thing about CEH, and both Andy and Brett Beach made this comparison after they got him, they wanted him to be their Brian Westbrook, which I thought, okay, super tall order. Haven't seen it yet. Not the vision, not the acceleration, not the versatility in the passing game. And now they have Ronald Jones and, you know, whatever. Um, I think these are running backs who have to be schemed into um, situational excellence. I, I, I could, I should go back and look at what Edwards Alaris gap zone splits were at LSU. Um, but yeah, I, I think the entire offense, uh, the disconnect last year starts with, to me, taking five new guys. And I think the whole offensive line continuity thing is overcooked to a degree. It's not as important as people think it is. Um, it does matter in certain things. I think it matters in offensive line geniuses who know more than I do could disagree with me, and I would respect that. I think it matters less in gap where you're firing out that it doesn't zone where you have to coordinate. Okay, it's Dodad. I go here, you stay there. 
Um, but I think, I think the disconnect last year starts with getting five guys who are better at gap than the league average and making them run zone when you're more efficient in gap in the run game, which wasn't working for the most part. And it does know. seem like things would, the rest of it will click and flow better if they make that change, I think. Partic- and if, as I said, yeah, and, and, well, you mentioned Oklahoma running RPOs off gap instead of zone. There is, there is also the redefinition of that. This could be Andy and his coaches saying, okay, we want to become more of a gap team, but we can't do it in one off season. So it's going to be a little fugly in the short term. And then year two, we do different stuff. I don't know. I would like to give Andy the benefit of I don't even think just year to year. I mean, that stuff like, you know, a team is a living organism. You grow during right. the season. You right. add concepts throughout the year. You say, okay, well, they know they're making the playoffs. I know that division is loaded. It, it would have, to, it would be a calamity for them not to make the playoffs. So they have to right. go in under the understanding we're probably playing 18 games. If we play more than that, we've had a good season. Okay, so they should be building to what do we look like by week 15 as we gear up to try and win a playoff game. And that would be the timeline I'd operate on. Uh, they should not be, they can win games without going in with the perfect setup in week one. What I felt happened last year is things broke down as the season got along, even as their results got better and Mahomes adapted to seeing more two deep safeties. I, I thought that there was a larger disconnect between the run and the pass and the play action that flowed from the two than there was even at the start of the year where it was still the same grab bag of plays, but it just didn't feel so um, staccato switching from from one to the other. I think, well, there are different ways to, Belichick is always looking for that in-season edge. Like, how can I do this differently? Uh, there are guys like Pete Carroll who, but not he's not totally dogmatic about it, but he's less inclined to change things in season. He's more of a, he's more of a believer in, you know, eventually our thing will turnover and it'll work um and you can go too far on both sides of that equation i think what the chiefs were hoping was this will write itself it will correct itself and now they have the entire offseason to go okay these are our alignment this is what the, these are the things they can do well not necessarily these are the things they don't do well but let's put them more in the direction of the things they do well you know, we can talk about what that looks like, but it is not what we saw last year. And even down to drafting Canard, that's another one. It's like, well, why would you, why would you take Darren Canard to be the first kickout guy running outside zone? That's not you want him to climb, you know, washing down the edge and let, all those guys can pull seal and climb, and yeah. that's what, and that's what every you go to. So go, they're doubling down. You would assume yes. they know. They if, must if a, a couple of guys on Zoom can figure it out for $100 a month SIS subscriptions. You think they can freaking figure it out. And if you went to Andy Heck and said, please draw up the five guys you want, it wouldn't be, mu- it wouldn't be much far off than this, right? This would be the group. So it's time they to embrace all purpose. they do. They yes. This on purpose. They read, they literally, I can't remember the last time I've seen this, a team on purpose went out and got all five new offensive linemen. And the 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 payoff here would be a horrifying situation defensively where you have this really intricate, complex, gap scheme-oriented system where you have no idea who's pulling or moving. You do not know where to set your front. And then you have to roll an extra guy into the box to try and stop that. And, oh, Lord, they figured out this passing game thing. Well, it would be like the Ravens, but with Lamar, 
playing at his 2020 level plus as a passer. I don't know how you stop that. Is there anything else in your notebook you want to dig through whilst we're here? Oh, gosh, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, let's see. Going back to the too high thing, <clears throat> this is more of my tape notes. I do think Mahomes was looking for that underneath stuff when he was obviously facing too high, whether it was static or spun, and there was something about it that just didn't work. To me, Hill is a first-level and third-level receiver. They need someone Mahomes can trust in that middle of the defense. I saw the same thing you did where the Mahomes-Hill intermediate connection did not work. Uh, uh, maybe Kelsey. I think Juju might surprise in that regard. Um I really like Valdez Scantling as an intermediate guy. Yeah, I think I think he was miscast. He's a bigger, fast guy. Yeah, pretty decent route runner. That, I, that I, I'd rather have him. That I think that in Green Bay, they they just one they had the best player in the league <laughs> other than Aaron Donald, probably in Devontae Adams of what he does. Yeah. And then Valdez was the clear out guy. You go clear everything out. So if we need Devontae, and then he particularly when like the they played the Bengals and they played too deep on every single snap. Basically, you go clear everything out up there, bother people, and we'll we'll swing Devontae underneath because he's the best at this. I think if you yeah. if you're able to slide kick him down one roll and tell McCall, you're doing the outside stuff for every now and then Juju. That's the thing about those guys. They can flip-flop, and I do think Sky Moore as well is going to be important as the yeah, underneath guy. Really like him. Yeah. I think if you slide Valdez Scantling into that sec- into that second position where he's doing more of the intermediate work, I, I think that that'll be a pretty decent connection. It's interesting people are concerned about Valdez Scantling because he had Aaron Rodgers, but I just don't think those role... I think he'll be in an entirely different role with the Chiefs than, than he was playing in Green Bay. Uh, I was working yesterday on our top 12 slot receivers and Devonte was number three um <laughs> he ran a red zone slant against the browns for a touchdown and the safety was like waving his hands and screaming for help from the snap because he knew exactly it was the Devonte slant and i'm like yeah if i was facing that i'd be screaming for help too um back to the drop eight stuff um getting to the drop eight stuff the Bengals threw it i mean it seems like that's a thing now too only tom brady and when we say blitz we can't i can't really do five pass rushers because there's so much bear and i don't know like so i go six or more only tom brady faced more snaps against three or fewer pass rushers last season you have to throw out the garbage snaps at the end of halves where defenders are playing in the parking lot but mahomes threw two touchdowns and two interceptions against that stuff so teams are devaluing those spacing concepts that the chiefs want to put out with more drop coverage into is into all areas of the field uh, Mike Smith, back when he was the Falcons head coach at a combine, God, 10 years ago, told me that the NFL will become less about schemes and more about spacing. And it turns out he was exactly right. And he saw the way it's become. And I think what teams are going to do with that drop eight, drop seven, drop whatever, is manufacture concepts that limit Andy Reid's ability to create spacing in his offense, to create open space. What you're trying to do is shut, you're trying to tear all the oxygen out of the open space. So that's why I think teams are going to do that more. The drop eight stuff is interesting. I know I've detailed this before for listeners. One of the big, oh no, no, it's underrated, but under discussed aspects of drop eight beyond just the sheer space like you said you drain the air at the coverage and there's just nowhere to go with the ball is that offenses don't design their concepts to face eight defenders back there because they're not anticipating no. eight defenders no. now i do think you give andy reed and eric b enemy an off season to say let's go get some plays it's still hard you can only put five guys out there though they're comfortable putting five guys out there in the pattern 
but you give them a, a, a you know break glass set of plays where they're like if this team starts dropping eight consistently, I think you just run four verts because some speed guy's going to be on yeah. some linebacker and just and they're not blitzing. You got three rushers. That's the time to run verts, baby. Get them out. So I, I'm not saying the drop eight won't be effective. I think everyone will dabble with it. I think Josh Allen will see a ton of it. Justin Herbert will see it. All these, particularly the the move. Well, to the problem guys. with Allen is if you rush three, he's just going to run the ball for 50 <laughs> yards because he's Cam Newton with a better arm. That's yikes. So I think they'll all try it, but to me, it has a dabble, a, 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 not whiff of wildcat necessarily, but maybe the first zone read elements where other where people yeah. hadn't caught up to yet, and you can just rip through all the Iowa State tape, right? Find out every play that was an explosive against Iowa State. They run drop eight more than anyone in college, right? And you just say, well, let me ask you this. Can you, can you, to what degree can you fake a drop eight pre-snap and then right before the snap, move the guys up? Well, now you're getting, you're really talking about language now. This is all my erogenous zones. And now it's drop eight to bear. Now it's drop eight to mug. And it's actually, you know, it's, even it's if it's, coverage. you know, I've written about odd mirror before that what George would do where you're basically baiting a quarterback to hit a particular yeah. landmark than what he yeah. believes you're supposed to hit. And then the spy, what would be an old fashioned spy comes in funnels through the open space and you basically baited him to a spot. The bears ran that a bunch last year. Sorry, the, the Browns ran that a bunch last year. They ran that yeah. out of drop eight too. So you're really getting a four man read rush. Yeah. But you're. So but what then, if you're not spinning a one defender? You're spinning like parts of your defense. Yes, this is where Spags is probably cooking up some wild shit on the other oh, side yeah. of the Chiefs building right now. Yep, in his laboratory. Well, he's he uh, goes and hangs out with uh, Coso and NFL Films in the offseason. So they yeah, all kinds of twisted stuff going on there. Uh, the only other thing I'll mention. Oh, Mahomes' adjusted interceptions. Luck caught up to him last year. Big time. His first few seasons in the league, he had amazing interception. Like if a ball bounced off the receiver's hands, it didn't wind up in the defender's hands. At least not even close to a league average rate last season. He was the unluckiest. Everything that went off hands, obviously the 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 Von Bell pick was the most obvious one, but everything that bounced off a guy's hands, and Tyreek had a lot of these, everything that bounced off a guy's hands went in the wrong place. Adjusted interceptions tend to regress to the mean. But as he already has so many schematic advantages with, with play action, with motion, with not being blitzed, you know, as I said, they've maxed out a lot of the sort of pre and post snap. I don't want to call it window dressing or frosting because it is important. I'm, I'm like the, the pre snap motion evangelist guy. Um, but I, you know, they, I think it has to be more about uh, succession of plays, as you mentioned, the concepts, uh, moving the run game to your offensive line. Um, there's, there's an idea. Um, yeah, those those are the big, I think we touched on all the big stuff I came up with. The only other thing I was thinking, and again, I'm stealing this this part from the football outside of the Almanac. What a wonderful advert this has been for them. Um, go by it. I wrote, uh, I was with them for about 10 years, worked on seven of them, I think. There you go. Yeah. So you... And you learn more than you teach when you're. <laughs> so they had in there about just the game state in Chiefs games lent itself to being more of a 2D. Now, I'm not quite sure about that. I, I think some coaches would, irrespective of game state. Now, maybe if it's all on the line and you, you know, you, I don't know, six, 18 points behind, 20 points behind, whatever it is, maybe you would, you would throw out your, your traditional base defense. I do think teams were shifting this way, irregardless, but still. 
because the defense was so bad early in the year, the teams were so willing to back up that if, if the defense takes even a step forward, I don't want to bog us down with too much with, with the defense, but that is another thing for them. If the, if they can carry over the second part of the season stuff, even just to not be terrible and just to be okay. Yeah. Then... Well, they moved Chris Jones back inside and they gave Dana Sorensen the gong show hook, which was like three years overdue. Um, yeah, but I, I can, no, I've read the chapter and I see the point. I, I yep. know Mike Tenier wrote it. I know what he's saying. Um, yeah, that that's, but now it's not like too high is again, the base concept, but we're getting there. And I think we're getting there in an accelerated rate because again, every quarterback, the, the numbers are so much worse against too high. So until somebody cracks that code, well, you're going to see more. <laughs> Again, if we with our hundred dollar a month subscriptions can figure this out, we don't have game charters. We pay you know forty grand a year, and advanced scouts and guys who just do this all the time. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be more of a thing, and you're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. And it's probably going to be run the ball. It's going to be exciting. All the all those the, all those numbers run and years gap. of efficiency is is going to swing back the way run of the run game. Yeah, do go back and look at what the page the Patriots had. Like, and this was, yeah, it was 2018. And I think that was Brady said halfway through the year, I've never been this frustrated because it had no one who could separate. I think Edelman was hurt or something. So halfway through the season, Belichick said, you know what? I'm just going to go Earl Campbell on your ass. And they ran gap and just dis- all the way to the Super Bowl and through the Super Bowl. That's how they won. So okay. you One can adjust in game. season and do that. Yes. And certainly if you have an off season, and again, this is what they plan. They got five gap guys. Why are you running 70 whatever percent zone when you're more efficient in the run game running gap? What are you doing? All right, then, Doug Farrell, we've done this for an hour. We could have done another three hours, I think, and still I would Easily. be none the wiser on where Easily. exactly the Chiefs will go next season. I have theories. Yeah, we still I have, have no ideas. clue. I'm going to have to write an article about this off, this, uh, off my notes, and, yeah, we'll have no more clue then either. All right, then. Well, I look forward to having you back, hopefully, during the season. We can check in on this. That would be fun. That's what we'll do. We'll check back in with Doug Farrar early on, find out are they running Gap or not. Thank you for doing this, sir. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.